I asked Callan to lead that song, and now I, I feel like I ought to just be quiet, let it soak in. I asked him to lead it because that's my goal today, is to maybe just to some really small degree bring us closer to God. There's lots of different ways we can get closer to God. But I'm going to tell you, if we're waiting till we die to get close to God, we're making a terrible mistake. We need to be close to God in this life, and it will be a great blessing to us. There's lots of different ways, as I say, that we can do that, but I want to take a look at James 4, verses 6 through 8 this morning, because I believe He gives us a formula here to accomplish that goal. So here James says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So I want to focus on this last sentence in this verse. As I say, there's, there's a lot of information here. It's all important information. But I believe this last sentence is a formula that James gives us for drawing closer to God. Now, for it to work, we've got to do these other things. Primarily, we've got to humble ourselves before God. And what that means to me, and what that means, I believe, in this context, is that when we're looking in the mirror, when we're looking in the mirror, and we see what's really there, we got to acknowledge that. And we got to acknowledge that what we see in the mirror is a problem. And we want to do something about it. We want to do something about it. And if we do, then the thing that we have to do is we have to clean our hands and purify our heart. And so that's what I want to focus on today. I want to be clear this is my top ten. There's nothing official about it. There, there's no survey done. I, I, none of that. This is the top ten things that came to my mind when I think about sin problems that Christian people struggle with. And your list may look completely different. That's not the point. The point is that when you look in the mirror and you see what the problem is, that you take that problem to James chapter 4 and apply the process. Now, what, every one of these things, I'm not going to spend much, if any, time talking about specifics. If you're here and you've been to church very much, you know these things are a problem. 
You know, Brother Mark had a sermon in, in March about covetousness and how people manage their possessions in this life. Go back and listen to his sermon. If you don't think that it's a problem, go back and find his sermon. It's about the rich man. We've had multiple sermons in the last two to five years about pornography, about pride and anger and indifference. Those are all issues that when we look in the mirror, we're likely to see if we're honest. Immodesty. Complaining. Being selfish, unforgiving, and worldly. Do you see any of those things when you look in the mirror? And you know what the mirror I'm talking about is. It's not the mirror over there in the bathroom. It, it's this. James said this in the first chapter, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So that's why those things are a problem. We don't want to get rid of them if we're not careful. We just want to manage them. And we forget what he says. It brings forth death. Spiritual death. So I want, to, I want to remind you, as he describes the process that Satan uses here, he finds something that you want. He don't find something you don't have any desire for. He finds something that you want. And he puts that in front of you, and he tells you a lie. And the lie is, is that that desire, if you fulfill it, it's going to make you happy. Sin never satisfies. But the devil lies to us, and we believe the lie. Sin never satisfies. Oh yeah, there may be some temporary enjoyment, but you always go back for more. And that's the devil at work. So think about that in the context of what you see in the mirror. Where does desire come from? It comes out of our head. And we imagine and we think and all of this stuff, it comes out of our head. And that's why he said you have to purify your heart. So as we think about this and any other thing that, that you see in the mirror that you need to fix, the solution is the same. You've got to clean your hands. 
and purify your heart. So I believe this idea of cleaning your hands is a metaphor for purity of action. You got to stop what you're doing. If you're looking at pornography, you got to stop. It's not complicated. The idea, the concept is not complicated. But you not only have to stop the action, you got to purify the heart. You got to change your mind. And we'll get that to that momentarily. We want to focus on this idea of cleaning our hands for a moment. Romans 6, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, he says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. You know, when we think about this idea that sin is, takes an action and a thought... Consider Jesus for a moment. He didn't have to clean his hands because his heart was pure. He didn't have to clean his hands. He didn't have to purify his action because his mind and his heart were pure. And that's my goal, but... I'm not Jesus, and I've got actions that I need to change and that I need to stop. And that's what he, the apostle's talking about here. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. When you have a but sinful behavior in your life, you need to stop. That you should obey it in its lust. That's what it is when you're swelled up with pride. And your mind takes you to that place. You're giving in. You're giving in to the lust. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, he says. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. It's the contrast you... You stop the unrighteous, you do the righteous. He makes a reference here. I want, I want to remind you of something. You remember in the parable of the prodigal son? When he came back, you recall what the father said? He was dead. He was dead. We're alive from the dead, he says. And what that means is that God is calling us to this standard of righteousness. And for us to tolerate sin or tolerate unrighteousness in our life is unacceptable. We need to use our bodies and our minds as instruments of righteousness to God. 
Colossians 3, do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds. That old man, that was the guy that was spiritually dead. That's the guy that was in the far country. You put that off, put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Titus 3, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, he says, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. We can't say we don't know what it means to be righteous. It's right in front of us. God reveals it to us. One of the great blessings that God has given His people is He has revealed His righteousness to us. And we know, or at least we can know, the difference between right and wrong. And we can make the right choice. We can. For our, we ourselves, He said, were also once... Now, Remember, this is the Apostle Paul talking here. And he identifies a struggle that he has or had. For we ourselves were also once. He says, I used to be this way. Foolish, disobedient, deceived, Serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. We can make a different choice if we want to. James 1, 21, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So what we do matters. What we do matters. Clean your hands. Because what we do matters. Colossians 3, Put to death therefore what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. Now he's making a contrast here between living in something and putting it away, right? Put to death, he says. And our challenge, my challenge, I think most of us share this challenge, is we don't really want to put it away. We don't really want to put it away. And if I could accomplish one thing today, it would be to convince you to change your mind about that. If we could decide to put it away, to put it to death, as he says. 
would be so much easier for us. But now you must put them all away, he says. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. (laughs) It's not complicated, is it? Just stop. Just stop. It's complicated because the devil is at work. And he keeps putting that lie in front of us. And we believe the lie. We're deceived. 1 Thessalonians 4. Thessalonians. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And we've had... Lessons again in the last year. Do we believe it? Do you do you believe what the apostle says here? You should abstain from sexual immorality. Is it just God wanting to take away something? Take away your fun. It's destructive. And Sin doesn't satisfy, remember? (laughs) Sin doesn't satisfy. We have to learn how to possess our own vessel in honor and sanctification. You stop the behavior. You consider the consequences of what you're doing. And that changes your mind. That will change your mind. You know, I, I, I wondered about, you know, this is kind of a, which came first, the chicken or the egg thing. Do you stop the sinful behavior first? Or do you purify your mind first? Which one comes first? You've got a problem with forgiveness. So, do you fix the problem? Do you start forgiving first? Or do you change your mind first? I don't think it matters. I don't think you're going to do one without the other. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4. As we transition from cleaning the hands to the idea of purifying the heart, I I, I want to use this to, to make that transition. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. What's he talking about? He's telling them that you used to walk just like the world, the Gentiles, the sinners, the people that had rejected or don't know God. He said you used to walk that way. You used to behave that way. You used to do those sinful things. But you know what goes with that is the mentality He says, in the futility of their mind. 
The idea that sin is going to satisfy your desires is a futile idea. It won't. But that's the mentality of the world. The more you get, the better off you are. But the truth is, the more you get, the more you want. The more you sin, the more you want to sin. It's futile. The flesh will never be satisfied. Never. And it's futile, he says. They're walking in the futility of their mind. The devil's lying to us. And what is the result of that? They don't understand. They don't understand why you and I wouldn't want to go sin every day, every night, every weekend. It makes no sense. And they're alienated from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. So we started off there in James 4. And he said, clean your hands, purify your heart. This idea, concept of the heart is a combination of the mind and the emotions. There's an emotional element to the idea that he's talking about here. And I believe the emotional element is that our emotions blind us to the truth. So the the devil puts the lie in front of us. It appeals to our emotions because we think and hope and pray maybe even that it's going to make us feel good. So Carrie in his sermon last Sunday night about hypocrisy toward the end of it made a really important observation in my mind. It's one I've been thinking a lot about. When you get up to preach, you would rather your audience leave feeling good. That, I, I would like for you to leave feeling good. I mean, who wants to get up and be depressing? But there's a problem with that. And the problem is a good feeling don't help you. I want you to leave feeling good about God. After I think through all of that, that's what I want. I want you to leave feeling good about God and what God will do for you. We cannot be blinded by our emotions because that's when we believe the devil's lie. Then he says, 
who, being past feeling, who, being past feeling, do we understand what he's talking about there? Because he just said their emotion, their heart was blinding them. And then he immediately says their past feeling. Do you know what our feelings are supposed to do? They're supposed to fill us with compassion, empathy, concern, love for others. Do you know what worldliness does to us? We have no feeling or concern for anybody else. It's all about me. There's words out in our culture, and whatever those words mean, that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about right here. A narcissist. A narcissist, you know, the clinical definition is somebody that's completely focused on themselves. They're past feeling, except for themselves. So when it's all about me, then whatever I want is what I'm going to pursue. And it doesn't matter how it affects anybody else. We're not able. We're not able to understand or empathize that our actions are harming somebody else. So, you give yourselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. That's where that life takes you. But you have not so learned Christ. We didn't get that idea from Christ. That's not where it came from. The idea that I can satisfy the flesh by doing all these things didn't come from Christ. If I indeed, you, if indeed he says, you have heard him and have been taught by him. As the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Our life, folks, is not going to change till we change our mind. You can put in human effort into stopping a behavior, but till you change your mind, the battle will continue. That's why we preach. That's why we look at Romans 12 too. That's what's going to change our life. What's up here? And what's up here is directly connected to what our emotion, our feelings are. As you think in your heart, he says, how do you think with your heart? Because they're directly connected. 
Your mind and your emotions are directly connected. And our emotions, I think I've already said, that's one reason we believe the lie and we get off track in the first place is because that's where our emotion takes us. And we got to change what we're thinking. We have to change what we think. For Ezra had prepared his heart, the Bible says, to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. You got to set your mind on that. You got to decide that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do is what God wants me to. Not what's going to satisfy the flesh, hopefully. We got to prepare the mind, or we got to prepare the emotions by what we think. Matthew 6 Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither rot, moth, nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So, when Jay Lloyd was here during our summer meeting, he had an extraordinary sermon about that very thing. What are you putting in your treasure chest? The facts, he laid them right out. I mean, the, the facts are abundantly clear and quite simple. Did you change your mind? Did you decide, yeah, that's right, so that's what I'm going to start doing. I thought it was a great sermon. I don't know that I've changed my mind, though, because my actions don't reflect that. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whatever's important to you. So you've got to change your mind about what's important to you. As do I. Colossians 3, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above. That is so hard to do. I know the concept is simple, but I also know it's hard to do. Set your mind on things that are above. I want you to remember that. Because another one of the devil's lies that we buy into sometimes is, well, I, I really don't have any control over what. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever you're putting in there is what's abundant. Now, I'm, I get it. I, I know the brain stops working sometimes. I ain't, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what you put into your mind in abundance is what's going to come out. And it's what's in there. Set your mind on things that are above. You can set your mind. 
Ephesians 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath just as the others. Sometimes, you know, you see in the news somebody did something particularly horrible, right? And you just think, where where in the world did that come from? Who, Who would think about doing that? I can't answer that. All I know is what you put in is what comes out. And we consider this idea of worldliness and we fill our minds with all of this worldly garbage and then we wonder where all these desires are coming from that Satan tempts us with. Pretty obvious. And he said, You've, we've all done it. We've all walked that way. And I think that statement is just as true today as it was then. Other than innocent children, at some point, we've walked according to the course of the world. And it's filled our mind with all this junk. And now the devil's using it against us. We can't necessarily take the junk out, but you can stop putting more in. There's stuff I wish I could take out. Lots of stuff. You know, I I believe it was the Apostle John that talked about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That stuff is all coming out of our head. Romans 1, verse 20, For since the creation of the world is invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even His eternal power and Godhead so that they were, are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. Nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. It's the exact same thing He was talking about we read over there in Ephesians 4. This idea, whatever, whatever the sin is, I know he's talking about the sin of homosexuality here. I, I get that. But what I want to focus on is the idea that it's futile. Futile in their thoughts. And the result of that is a darkened Mind, heart. We've got to purify our 
thoughts. We've got to purify our thinking. We've got to change our mind. Ephesians 4.14, that we should no longer be children. I know it's pretty harsh, but you know what he's saying here. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. You know, and when you're a teenager, I, I have some vague memories of that. And I, I understand. But when you're a teenager, you think if you're not careful, that filling your mind with a bunch of garbage is how you grow up. I wished I could convince you otherwise. You grow up by taking responsibility for what you put in your mind. Don't be a child. Don't be tossed to and fro. And I know that's hard. Not just for teenagers. There's just seasons of life where it's difficult to not be tossed everywhere. But don't believe the lie. Cared about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. And that's what's going on in the world. And the devil's behind all of it, but he has a lot of willing helpers. And they're constantly telling us lies. Hebrews 13 and 9. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. The flesh won't satisfy. The flesh won't satisfy. The heart, the mind, needs to be established by grace, by truth. James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. And that's the bottom line problem with not getting and keeping our mind in the right place. It brings instability. It brings doubt. It brings all of the stuff that the devil uses against us. We've got to get our mind in the right place. Luke 16, 13, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or either he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So you've got to pick. Young people, you want to grow up? You've got to pick. Middle-aged, older people, you've got to pick. If you want to hang on, 
to some mammon you picked. You picked. So I want to take you back to this. So you look in the mirror, you recognize the problem with covetousness, you see some covetousness. Desire, intense desire that consumes your life. Do you see that? There's a solution. That's why I want you to leave feeling good about God, because God gave us the solution. Learn to be content. But you've got to change your mind. You've got to decide. You know what? Covetousness is is not doing anything but harming me. So when you leave this afternoon or tomorrow or next week and you start having this intense desire, replace it with contentment. Say, oh yeah, I changed my mind about that. I'm not going to be covetous. I'm going to be content with what I have. Pornography. Powerful, powerful, folks. Very powerful addiction. And I'll tell you, and the same is true, whatever the sin is, it's easier to avoid than it is to overcome. But that don't change the fact that this is a huge problem for some people. And you can stop the behavior. And you need to stop the behavior. But you've got to change your mind. You've got to get your mind somewhere else. You've got to get your mind somewhere else. You've got to decide, I'm not going to think about that anymore. And it won't happen immediately. It'll be a battle. But you can replace that with purity. I I want a pure mind. And go through the list. And, And I wasn't trying to make this an exclusive list. There's something you probably need to work on that's not on my list. But I want us to understand this process that James described will work on any sin. You stop the behavior and you change your mind. Psalms 24, in conclusion, the psalmist says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Remember, we want to be closer to God. He's not talking about death here. He's talking about getting closer to God. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, he asked. Or who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. We will be blessed... 
If we will take this process that Scripture defines and outlines for us and we'll apply it to our lives, we will be closer to God. God bless you as you work to do that. Never want to close without offering the invitation. It's the Lord's invitation. It's always open, but we find it a convenient time to give people the opportunity to respond. If you've been taught the gospel and desire to be baptized, we want to help you with that. Or if you need the prayers of the church for some spiritual issue you have today, please come and sit on the front while we stand and sing.